you're listening to the Big House Bleachers Podcast. Welcome to episode one of the Big House Bleachers Podcast. I'm Michael Smeltzer. I'm here with Matt Hartwell. Matt, how you feeling, man? I'm good, buddy. Feeling five and zero, man. Everything's a little, a uh, little fresher and cleaner when you wake up undefeated. You know, the air feels a little nicer, right? It's, it's just, it's just good being undefeated. Five and zero, second year in a row. It's good, man. I mean, you know, I'm getting a lot of the same vibes that I felt from this 2021 team last year, mm-hmm. and uh, I'm just riding that wave. Dude, I, I woke up this morning thinking about um, all of the Michigan fans that stuck through it from 2008 to to 2014, you know, like the, the diehards. Like we were watching every game with Rich Rod and Brady and, you know, just like hopeful oh every gosh, season thinking that. we're going to win it all and then losing a bunch of games. Like I, <laughs> I, I'm just so happy to be where we're at now. Oh, I can remember those dark days with Tate Forcier leading the <laughs> offense down the field, man. Was, yeah, uh, those are the real uh, Michigan fans. If you, if you, if somebody says they're a Michigan fan and you bring up Tate Forcier and they don't know who you're talking about, yeah, you know, they might not, <laughs> they might be a bandwagon fan, right? Right, absolutely. <laughs> well, all right, man. Uh, Michigan twenty-seven, Iowa fourteen. What, what's your initial uh, take on the game, man? How, how you think we're doing? So initially, you know, I, I mean, my personal opinion, I think the game turned out exactly how a lot of people really thought it would, but it's just, it's, it's just causing kind of some unease with the fan base. Maybe some people wanted a little bit more of a blowout, but uh, I think in my opinion, Michigan went in and and they handled business. Well, and you got to think, statistically speaking, Iowa was the number one defense in the country, right? So I think a a 27 to 7 lead, you know, in the last minute of the game is I mean that's that's a dominant performance and and I you know, when they put that last touchdown on the board, you you got to figure Jesse Minter was basically telling the secondary like just keep everything in front, let them let them complete passes in front. You know, they were basically just trying to prevent the long ball. So we we probably could have tightened it up if needed and and won that thing 27 to 7. So yeah, you know, I feel good. That's about as good as you can do against the number one defense. I I don't think Iowa's really the best defense in the country. They're probably top ten or fifteen, but statistically, you know, that was the number one number one D. Right, absolutely, and a lot of things like get overlooked. You know, I mean, one thing that was overlooked is that Iowa had the number one scoring defense in the country going into this game. Donovan Edwards, uh, hats off to him. He made a huge save. Um, to to prevent an Iowa touchdown on that backwards pass from uh, JJ when he was under pressure, dude. And, I uh, and yeah saved that that scoring defense that Iowa has prevented them from getting those points. So hats off to him, man. But uh, that was one thing that was kind of overlooked in the W. I mean the the secondary gave up some some passing yardage, but uh, I don't think like. 
it's anything crazy to to scoff at this team. You know? When you bring up that uh, Donovan Edwards play, which it's good to have him back, by the way. Um, that's probably the play of the game. I mean, if we're really looking at it, that you know, it's it's an interesting play of the game because it's just it's an offensive fumble recovery, but. That's what Iowa does, right? That that's how they win games: is they turn you over, they flip the field position, their defense scores or puts the offense in easy scoring position. And Donovan, you know, a lot of times uh, when plays like that happen, guys will just give up. Donovan, like, just took off running after that ball. I thought I didn't even think it was a fumble when I watched it live. He he went and covered that thing up, and then. I saw Mike Hart dap him up on the sideline afterwards. I, it was, it, you're right, pointing that out. I mean, it's just a massive play. It's really, honestly, like crazy now talking about it. Like Donovan Edwards is just such – he's such an X factor for this team because, I mean, if Donovan Edwards doesn't play, does Michigan still win this game? I mean, he had the touchdown, and then he prevented that huge momentum-shifting play towards the end. I mean – it's uh, it's just so huge to have him a part of this team and just his feel for the game and what's going on and his awareness. It's amazing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Let's talk JJ a little bit. Um, how, how do you how do you feel about how JJ performed? I feel honestly like JJ and uh, people hate this really, but JJ is kind of settled into like this kind of like Cade McNamara like figure. I feel like the past few games with his. Uh, game manager-esque uh, play, playability. Yeah, you know, I agree with you there because we haven't really needed him to be, you know, five-star, 100-yard rushing, 300-yard passing, J.J. McCarthy. But, but you know, there is like that Donovan Edwards touchdown that you, that you alluded to. If that's Cade, that's a sack. I, you know, and, and I'm not trying – by the way, I'm not right. trying to – like shit on Cade, like you know, like Cade's our guy. We love him. We need him. Uh, but if if that was Cade, that play is a sack. And and JJ just showed that X factor ability. He he used his legs. He rolled out to the right, made a play, and and uh, helped us win the game. Honestly, I feel like this was one of JJ's more impressive outings over the last uh, couple weeks, just because. He was good under pressure. You know, last week we saw him against Maryland kind of get rattled and shaken up a little bit, and you kind of got scared for a second, like, wow, is this kid, like, going to have what it takes to kind of clamp down and make sure we pull out the W here, mm-hmm. which he did, of course, and uh, and he carried that into this game, and uh, he controlled the whole thing. He made plays that Cade wouldn't have been able to make, uh-huh. and, and going back to what I said about the – his Cade-esque ability, he still brings that explosive playmaking ability. You know what I mean? That uh, that a lot of people have been searching for. And I mean, the stats don't look like Oklahoma-esque or Alabama-esque, which I think is what a lot of people hope for. But that's just not how Michigan coaches its fo- football games. I, I don't know, know if anybody I mean? wants to look Oklahoma-esque right now, but we'll get we'll get to that a little later. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, and, and you know, JJ has he hadn't turned the ball over. Like to me, that's that's what sticks out is is you know last week he he scared us a little bit. He had some like shades of of twenty twenty one Michigan State game where he was kind of coughing it up last week against Maryland. But but he hasn't thrown any picks. You know, knock on wood. He, he's been consistent. He's done exactly 
what it's you know what it's taken to to do the job and get the dub. Um, Blake Corum, uh, th- this is this is exciting now. All of a sudden, um, I think we all knew he was a, a potential uh, superstar on the team. I mean, he was really a superstar last year, but. You know, is it too early to start talking about the the Heisman Trophy conversation with Corum? Not at all. I mean, and if you if you follow me closely on Twitter, you see I've been touting it probably a little bit prematurely since a couple weeks back. But I mean, the dude is just a beast. You know, whether he goes for like over a hundred yards and a couple touchdowns one week, or five touchdowns and under a hundred yards like the next week. Uh, the guy is just a workhorse, man. And you, you feed him the ball, you know he's going to get over five yards a carry. And uh, he's just very reliable. You know, you feared for that after losing Hassan Haskins last year. And Blake Corum's been so reliable. Mm-hmm. And, and you know, we're looking at 10 touchdowns, which is good for number one in the country. I believe rushing yards, he's number four. And then I was kind of playing with some numbers this morning, and I realized, you know, his yards per carry is higher than anybody else with 75 or more carries. And so you've got a few guys out there that are just big play guys that, you know, get a lot of end arounds and that kind of stuff. But, uh, you know, for anybody running between the tackles and getting a lot of carries, his his yards per carry is the highest in the country as well. So I I think we're going to see that continue. If he can do it against Iowa, he can do it against – basically anybody and you know until we roll into columbus when we're probably going to face a very different situation so um blake quorum for heisman i'm i'm on the train man let's let's ride that thing let's get him let's get him to new york i mean if his competition is cj strab then i think that the the season will work itself out yeah the se- <laughs> when the season literally when it gets a little cold outside cj Stroud might you know he he might have some trouble hopefully uh, it's not too brisk <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, the next note I have is really on the receivers, man. And, and you know, we saw Ronnie Bell score with that. That was technically a rushing touchdown. And, and I, I don't think Cornelius got a catch, but the, you know, the, what stuck out to me was Andrell. I think, I think all of us have been waiting on Andrell Anthony to get involved. And, uh, you know, he had that he really was the only, downfield pass that that converted yesterday was that it was really really good thrower where jj kind of pump faked uh underneath and and then you know through an nfl caliber throw you kind of threaded the needle there on the sideline and andrell came up big it's good to see him getting involved absolutely and i don't know if you how closely you follow the rumor mill or anything like that but a couple weeks ago there was some things circulating in the media about like certain guys not getting enough catches and stuff like that. And I'm certainly not, uh, not alluding to that might've been Andrell, but you know, you put two and two together, he wasn't getting many catches. And uh, so it was good to finally see him get involved in the football game a little bit. And, you know, I'm not one of those huge uh, guys that, that's just like team Andrell, like you need to get him in the game. Cause you know, Andrell's young. He's going to get plenty of time on this Michigan offense. If he just gives it another year to develop, but you've got guys like Cornelius Roman, Ronnie Bell veterans on this offense. You know what I mean? That have been in line for a lot of touches for a while, for many years now. So 
Andrell's just got to kind of give it time, like get his catches when they come, which thankfully they came this week, and uh, just keep it moving like he usually does. And we've got five receivers that can really give it to you uh, any day of the week in Big Ten play, and we've got some freshmen that are, you know, they're not really ready, but they, they could step up, you know, in some big moments as well. But, you know, the 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 real story from a receiving standpoint has got to be fan favorite Luke Schoonmaker. I mean, does, does this guy does this guy drop anything? Schoon. Yeah, I mean, this oh he's amazing. It. Yeah, you know, he stepped up. Eric All was out, and I think we all know Eric All is on a lot of uh, NFL boards. He's he's got the the body type, the athleticism, the hands, the blocking ability to play play in the NFL. But you know, Luke Schoonmaker's starting to look like an NFL tight end to me, and he's he's been stepping up uh, over the last two games. He's our leading receiver. It is just so good to see Michigan getting the tight ends involved in the offense. You know, I mean, for a large portion of that 2021 campaign, you know, you saw them utilize Eric All and Schoonmaker mostly in blocking situations, which worked out for that. Uh, for that run-heavy offense of theirs, you know, with Hassan Haskins and stuff, but they spread the ball around a lot more now. And Scoonmaker has uh, he's become a big target. I mean, the guy never seems like he drops a clutch pass. Which I mean, last year, if you watched him, the guy dropped a few passes that were thrown his way. So he is like just stepped up and been such a reliable option. I mean, just if we're in trouble, I'm like shouting at the TV, throw the ball to Scoon. Yeah, he's that third third down guy now. Absolutely, man. Uh, keeping it on the offensive side of the ball, um, the O-line was was healthy. I thought they had a really good game. I, I think uh, they are the ones that are really – pushing the 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 quorum for Heisman train forward right every time uh we hand the ball off in the backfield the o-line seems to create a you know a four yard gap and and that, that it's just that's like enough for Blake Quorum to get moving and, and they've been you know they've been pass protecting well too and any notes on the the offensive line for you I mean, just another impressive performance by them I know that there were a lot of people have been hard on uh on Trente lately, but yeah. he's, uh, he's been Im- improving and doing what he needs to do to hold down his end. And I mean, Olu can't say enough things about him. He has just been an excellent anchor in the middle, um, through all the problems that the offensive line went through, not problems, but you know, just improvement processes that they went through. He's remained pretty consistent in the middle and, uh, hats off to him. And then on the other side in the trenches, you know, we've got the D line, which I, you know, it was kind of the tale of two halves for the D line yesterday. When when we went into the half, I had two major concerns. One one was pretty obvious that we weren't finishing drives, right? We had two field goals. We we were moving the ball, but we weren't fin- finishing drives. The the other was the the pass rush, you know, I, and and I've seen a lot of that kind of rumbling in the fan base is what's going on with this pass rush and very first uh, possession in the second half, true freshman Mason Graham comes in, gets the sack, gets the three and out Michigan get defense gets off the field. Um, I thought that was huge. And then of course, uh, 
I don't know what it is about Iyabi Oki, but I, everybody seems to love this guy. And we, we like we need to get he's got he's got that energy that kind of uh, get to the quarterback energy that that Ojabo and, and Hutch brought last year. But I felt like the D line played well. Actually, I thought I thought they um, in the second half showed what they were made of against a good Iowa O line and and. Uh, and then, of course, there's Mike Morris. I'm sure. I'm sure we got, we got to talk a little bit about Mike Morris. Huge, and uh, and you're totally right with your assessment of the D line. I mean, just night and day performance. First half, you kind of wonder where they're at. I mean, I'm kind of scratching my head, wondering like, okay, are they just going to fall off the map again? You know, but just huge performance in the second half. I mean, Mason Graham to uh, kick it off came in like a cannonball. Reminded me of a young Mo Hurst. Yeah, just flew in there, uh, completely took out um, their quarterback and uh, Yabi Oki. Just a fan favorite. I mean, and Michigan fans are are just they're so funny because they hunger for these like big star athletes. You know, Yabi Oki has an excellent redemption story. Came into Michigan as a graduate transfer after bouncing around all kinds of places, just never really clicked or fit in or had some kind of behavioral issues, whatever the storyline may be. Uh, Landed at Michigan. He's been having a sensational year. And uh, Mike Morris has just, he really put on the performance that he needed to solidify himself as the leader of this defensive as one of the leaders on this defensive line. Yeah. He, I mean, he was in, in my top three guys to watch out for on the, on the def- defensive side of the ball coming into the year. And, and he's got four sacks now, right? Is he our leading? Does he lead the team he in is. sacks? After he got two yesterday, which I ran the, the stats afterwards and he's got like four sacks six tackles for loss, one forced fumble. I mean, the guy's got some pretty, impressive uh defensive edge numbers i mean that's it's pretty good what else stood out to you in the on the defensive side of the ball like the secondary to to me this was the first game where mike sandra still didn't really jump off the screen you know i I think we've all been like pleasantly surprised that sandra still has been been just all over the place you know he played well but he didn't really jump off the the screen to me um who, who stuck out to you on in the secondary yeah, I was honestly curious if Sandra still was even in the game after a certain point. Um, I mean, uh, I didn't know, I didn't see much of him in the game. But other than that, you know, I, I had a little bit of concerns about the secondary, but I don't want to scoff too much at the secondary or make them feel bad for their performance, you know, at the end of the day. Uh, walked out of there with a W. They put the clamps down when they needed to. And, um, I mean, gave up a little over 200 yards passing, but you know, it's, it's, it's whatever Iowa made their run and they, uh, they got the job. And I'm not super worried about the secondary. We, we got playmakers everywhere. DJ Turner, Jamon Green, Mike Sanders still has been looking good. And, and DJ Turner almost took one to the house, didn't he? Oh, bro, I stood up. I thought, <laughs> yeah, man, like that was gone. I can't believe he dropped that because he's such a ball hawk. You know, he had that that fumble recovery for a touchdown earlier in the season. I thought for sure that one was going to the house. 
I'll tell you, man, these guys, like, you you could tell. And that's why I'm not too worried about the performance from yesterday because these guys are good. They're hungry for interceptions. Like, you see them making plays all over the field whenever uh, the other team starts getting comfortable and throwing the ball around. So uh, they'll, they'll get their stuff together. I know that they'll have some uh, idea of things that they need to improve on after this game. Yep, and then, of course uh... – you know, I kind of skipped over the linebackers and, and, you know, Junior Colson is, is everywhere. He, you know, I think that's to be expected. We all kind of knew he was going to be one of the studs on the team. He definitely is. Um, Jalen Harrell, who's not a linebacker, but I put, I put him down in our notes as a linebacker because he always looks like one to me, but Jalen Harrell is everywhere uh, as well. He's, he's getting tackles. Um, you know, they, they just – the defense is solid. They're going to have to get better to really go up against, you know, the Penn States and Ohio States of the world. But, it, it, you know, we've got we've got a little bit of time. We, we've got Indiana next week to, to sharpen our sword a little bit. Yeah, Junior Colson really stepping up after uh, the, the departure of Josh Ross right there. Just mm-hmm. a big anchor. Always getting tackles. Always in the top – one, two, three guys of the team and tackles every single game. He's just all over the highlight tape, but uh, just not talked about nearly enough for his hustle. And then special teams, not you know, nothing too notable, just a solid special teams performance. Moody, uh, two for two, stays perfect. Um, you know, money Moody. The dude's yeah. money. <laughs> he is, and uh, Brad Robbins, I mean, always putting the team in – in great field position, so kicker and, and punter always there to bail us out when we need it. And Moody kind of helped out our five bold predictions. Uh, for any of you guys that follow Matt or, or me on Twitter, every week we pump out five bold predictions for the upcoming game. And uh, one of mine this week was that Moody stayed perfect, which he did. I, I saw Matt, you had him going four for four. I'm gonna go ahead and give you that one. I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say that's like <laughs> yes, kind of a win. Like even though he didn't kick four field goals, you know, two for two, he's the essence of the prediction came true. So I, I'll give you that one. Yeah, I mean it was close, so I kind of counted as like I got two and a half out of five. You know, <laughs> what were the other? What were what were your other predictions? Remind me. Let's run through. Let's see how you did. My other was uh, that Yabi got a sack, which he uh, which he did. I believe they need to correct that on the stat sheet because they've only got him registered for half of a sack. But he dra- he dragged that quarterback down on his own in the pocket. I yeah. don't want to hear it. Yeah, Give you that know boy the, way a sack. the QB kind of kind of slipped away right at the end, and 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 uh, Yabi kind of broke you know broke contact. He had his and, hand on him the whole time. He, I, I swear by it. Yeah, he took the he took him down. I I agree that that's a sack. Um, and then what else? <laughs> what what else did you have? And then um, what was the other? I had uh, Moody going four for four. He went two of four, and then two for two, two for two. Uh, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah. I'm not sure. Come back to me while I pull it up. Yeah. So I had. I'm trying to think. I I had JJ with his highest rushing total, um, ever was my. You know, it was my bold prediction. Which really, he's never run for more than 50 yards. That's all he needed. But that didn't happen. I was way off on that. I had Ronnie Bell with 100 receiving yards. I, you know, I honestly thought we were going to just tear him up. And after that first possession, it looked like. That was going to happen. Um, that didn't happen. 
I don't know. We we can move on. Maybe we'll do a little better for for our our bold predictions next week. I will say that uh, that uh, the return of Donovan Edwards was one of my predictions. Oh, he returned Donovan in a big Edwards way. Did return in a big way. So you knocked that out of the there. park. I had Mike Sainer still lining up at wide receiver. I don't know. I was hoping that. Because, I mean, you look at him last year and the guys made some dynamic catches throughout his college career. You know, you can't argue that. And I'm really hoping um, that they find a way to work him into the offense. I feel like he's had an excellent defensive campaign so far. And sometimes you got to give some people something to talk about with that Heisman shit. You know, you got to line the boy up at wide receiver when you know he can eat. I wonder if like a kick return or something, you know, like something like that, you know, he kind of seems like he would be good at that. And, uh, you know, Henning's doing good at punt returns. I'm not a huge fan of Corum, you know, being back there on kicks. Sanders still seems like the kind of guy that could, could get involved in that part of the game. Right. Absolutely. Totally agree. I mean, Henning's been so good and hats off to you on your prediction, uh, from uh, what was it last week or was it UConn? Yeah, I think I manifested it. Honestly, I'm going to go ahead and just predict uh, an AJ Henning punt return for a touchdown next week against Indiana, just to just to it's see a if pretty safe prediction. Yeah, just to <laughs> just to see if I can manifest it. And then that's right. The other other prediction I had was uh, Mike Sanders still forcing a turnover, which didn't happen. And then I had Michigan going for uh, thirty plus points, which. You know, I I was I was on to something there, right? Like we we scored twenty seven. We it was it was close. Missed it just by a little bit. Absolutely, and I had a Michigan blocks another punt, which I did not succeed on. Actually, uh, noteworthy Caden Colasar. I heard that he went down on a special teams play while uh, Iowa was making a return. So mm, hopefully, any- all is good with him. Any word on what that is? I, I haven't heard that. I didn't. I didn't realize that Colazar is kind of our special teams, you know, s- specialist for lack of a better word. Yeah, absolutely. No, I honestly just saw something about it on Twitter from uh, from Dew on one of his tweets. Uh, something about Colazar going down. So I'll have to do more research on that to check in on Caden because he's been so huge for us on that end of the field. Yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully he, you know, he's, hopefully it's nothing too serious and and he he gets well fast. Um, let's go around the conference and just take a look at what happened yesterday. I'm I'm excited about this segment. I think all Michigan fans enjoy looking around the conference right now because the, you know, one of the most vocal rival fan bases has been uh, a little less uh, rowdy lately. The you know, sp- sp- I-, I heard I heard a rumor. That Tuck was coming, you know. Somebody, to- <laughs> somebody told me Tuck, Tuck was coming. He was supposed to come somewhere at some time. I don't know. Where, where, where is Tuck? Like, does it, has anybody seen Tuck? Do we need to do a wellness check on Tuck? Um, I just—it's just an embarrassing meltdown for the <laughs> and over there in East Lansing for the Michigan for the Michigan State Spartans right now. They're in some deep water. I mean, the hurricane hit down here in Florida, but for some reason, they're the ones that are in the deep water. But, uh, I mean, Tuck has certainly failed to come. Another embarrassing loss at the hands of an opponent that recently uh, met their demise to the Wolverines. So, Tuck is certainly not coming. And, I mean, what what are your take on uh, 
the Michigan State Spartans at this juncture. Well, you know, I watch them kind of on and off. They've had some games that are on the same time as us, and I, you know, I, I, I have a multiple screen set up, so I'm kind of staying tuned in. But <clears throat> I haven't really, I haven't really followed them too, too closely. But I do know the secondary is atrocious. Uh, you know, it made me feel a little bit better about. You know, seeing seeing Maryland uh, move the ball up and down the field on them was refreshing. Maryland seems like they're probably a really good team this year, which which makes our game against them, you know, look a little bit better. And, and as far as Michigan State goes, I, I think we all know that's one of the two games on our schedule that you can throw records out the window, you can throw stats out the window, you can throw everything out the window, and those two teams take the field. Uh, this Halloween weekend, it's probably going to be a night game. It's at at the big house. I'll be there. You're going to be there. Um, everyone's going. Everyone's going to be there. And you know, you know, if I'm being realistic, like well, I can give Sparty a hard time, but we know that they are a serious opponent and a serious competitor. And if if there's ever going to be a game where some crazy wild shit happens, it's that game. And so I, I think that Michigan and the coaching staff Harbaugh uh, yeah everybody's going to stay focused we we don't really need any uh motivation for that game right we don't need any you know additional you know motivation or energy we're going to come ready uh and and it looks like you know they might have four or five losses walking into that game i'm not i'm not so sure when they're going to win another game maybe illinois i you know i don't i don't know yeah, I mean, it's honestly fair to say that, um, I mean, I totally agree with what you're saying about throw records out the window and everything like that. But, um, I mean, it's just going to be a very uh, hateful environment, especially if it turns out to be a night game, like what they're forecasting it to be. But I just, I mean, if you've li- listened to any of the talk from the media, especially Spartan media on Twitter or anything like that they've just had it coming and i hope that the wolverines just deliver an ass whooping when the spartans come to town on halloween weekend because they've had it coming for a while yeah i mean my uh i'll have my eight month old daughter at her first game uh, in ann arbor that day so i'm i'm hoping that we we you know get her off on the right foot daughter witnesses the ass whooping that's right that's right. I mean, I, I don't even think she is as big as the Paul Bunyan trophy right now. So I want you know, I want to get her, I want to get her to see the Paul Bunyan trophy while she's still smaller than it. Um, mo- moving around the big 10, uh, Minnesota lost, which I, I was actually really surprised about. I've been extremely high on Minnesota all year, but then I, I, I looked at that. I didn't even realize it. And then after the game, I found out, um, Mo Ibrahim, their star running back didn't play. And, and he's, He's basically their whole team. I'm, you know, Tanner Morgan, the quarterback, can sling it, but without the running back to keep keep it true, you know, it's it's just harder for them to to pass the ball without uh, Mo in the game. So they went down to a, a, a decent Purdue team. So they they seem to be, you know, not quite. They pro- they'll probably drop out of the rankings. They're not quite as prominent as they were. Did, did, did have you been following Minnesota at all? Yeah, I tuned in uh, when I saw the score of the Minnesota game. And, you know, the thing about those Big Ten West teams is they all have a way of just cannibalizing each other. Yeah. 
You know, you never really can tell who's good, who's for real, who's not for real. When it comes down to it, any one of them are liable to upset the other one on any given day. At least that's what it seems like this season. I mean, you have Wisconsin that just went down to Illinois, and you kind of wondering, you're kind of wondering what's happening in the world. <laughs> mm-hmm. But um, so, I mean, Minnesota goes down. I knew that that was probably they kind of have that similar way of starting every season. I'm not saying that they won't be good. Uh, Tanner Morgan, aka Mike Barrett, dog food. Um, he's been doing all right. Um, but other than that, I'm not seeing any real threats coming out of the Big Ten West uh, this year. Yeah, not at all. The East is going to win it again yeah, for sure. I, you know, I if I was a betting man, which I am, uh, I'd bet on the champ coming out of the East. And so you, it's really a three-team race, I think, at this point. It's it's Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan. Uh, Penn State stays perfect this week uh not not a real sexy win for them i think they beat northwestern by 10 points or so there it was a rainy game uh penn state was favored by 25 i i put a little money on northwestern plus plus 25 and uh that to me seemed like a logical bet uh that came through for me um and then of course you know you've been you've been asking the question are we scared of Ohio State? So I'm going to ask. I'm going to ask you that, Matt. I'm going to ask you: Are 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 we? Are we scared of Ohio State? They look pretty damn good. You know, I'm honestly not convinced that they're not great. And you know, people berate me for saying that because I mean, I said it last year, and I was. Uh, I mean, I think I was correct when we ended up beating them, uh, but. <laughs> They're looking pretty ferocious as usual. I mean, they're they're coming along. Obviously, they had a slow start against a clunky Notre Dame team, but they've been getting their groove back. Smith and Jigba, um, he if they get him back anytime soon, it's going to be a problem. But other than that, I'm not totally convinced by the defense. Um, the offense, I think, is going to be about the same as they were last year. So... It's just all going to be a matter of is this team, uh, is the formula that we have with this team capable of overcoming Ohio State this year? Because this team, I believe that they're, they might be on the same par as the 2021 team, but in different ways. I mean, you've got JJ, who's more offensively dynamic. Uh, Blake Corum, who's a totally different style running back, and then a totally different defense that's good in different ways in different areas. So it's definitely going to be an interesting matchup. Would I say I'm scared? Probably not. I think it's going to be a great game uh, no matter what, but um, uh, definitely not like shaking in my boots or anything about it at this point. Yeah, I, t- I tend to agree with you. I, you know, here's my take on Ohio State so far. I'm I'm probably going to put them as number one in my power rankings this week. Um, even as a Michigan fan, I try to be unbiased when I, I put out my power rankings every week. Right. I, I think Ohio State has the best resume for number one this season. I, I was high on Georgia. I think we were all high on Georgia. They looked like trash against Kent State. They almost lost to Missouri last night. I'll probably move them down. Um, But I think Ohio State is probably a a smidge above Bama right now as as far as how they look. And then maybe Michigan 3, Georgia 4. 
and Clemson right, right up there. So, so basically what I'm saying is I think Ohio State is the number one team in the country. But by right, resume. By resume. <laughs> but rankings, rankings don't always equal wins on the field. And what, what we found out last year was that Michigan had the, the recipe to take down that high-powered offense basically by keeping them off the field, right? That, like, that was basically the recipe. Hassan Haskins in the offensive line systematically drove it down the field. They burned up clock, they, and they finished in the end zone, which was the, the most important part. I've watched so many Michigan-Ohio State games of years past where we always had to settle for field goals, and I just hate – I hate kicking field goals in that game because I just, you know, you just know the team that gets in the end zone is going to win. And at last year we, we systematically got, got down the field, got in the end zone. And so I look at this year's Michigan team and I think, can we do that again? And, and the answer is yes. We, absolutely, we can do that again. We've got the O-line. We've got Blake Corum and Donovan Edwards. You referenced we've got a much more dynamic quarterback. So if, if he doesn't turn the ball over and makes a few big plays, then it comes down to the defense getting the Buckeyes off the field a couple of times, right? Like a few, a few big stops. Um, so that that's what we're looking at. This the season is still young. We're not even halfway through, but um, like any good Michigan fan, you know, we're looking, we're looking at that Ohio State game uh, year round, three hundred and sixty five days a year. I wake up and I think about Ohio State. So you know that that's what we're doing. It's certainly circled. I mean, we got it last year. Don't want to lose it this year. So, I mean, it's going to be interesting, but uh, cer- certainly we're not scared over here on the Big House Bleachers podcast. Man, let's go. Not scared on the Big House Bleachers podcast. Uh, so let's look around the country, man. Enough of the Big Ten. Uh, we kind of know what the, what's in store for the Big Ten. Uh, you know, there were some, I, I, I want to say 10 Top 25 teams went down yesterday. Uh, none of the top six, but, you know, after number seven, there, you know, yeah, there was about 10 teams that went down. What, what game stuck out to you the most? So I would definitely obviously point out um, the immediate, which is Georgia. I don't think that Georgia deserves to be ranked as highly as. Uh, they are right now. Hopefully the committee will see that and knock them down a few pegs. Uh, I mean, what's your opinion on Georgia? Do they deserve to be even ranked ahead of Michigan at this juncture? Obviously they didn't lose, but I mean, eh, it's, it's going back further than this week. They struggled last week as well. You know? Yeah. I think Georgia, Michigan is a coin flip. Right now, you know, just based on resume, I'm going to put Michigan number three this week just because, uh, you know, Maryland turns out to be a pretty good team. Iowa's defense is really good. I mean, Georgia struggled with Kent State, you know, and Michigan took that's Michigan. That's exactly my point. Right. And Missouri was it's not like Missouri was a good SEC team. I, I think Georgia was favored by 30 points. Right. So something crazy. So I, I don't know. They they came out and they destroyed Oregon, uh, who was probably overranked in week one. And so everybody started thinking like, oh, my God, this Georgia team might be better than last year's Georgia team. I was certainly on the Georgia bandwagon, I you know, thinking that they were going to be number one all year. But uh, they, they've shown some weaknesses. Uh, Bama pulled away 
late against Arkansas. I, I actually didn't watch that too closely. Did did Bryce Young get hurt? I saw I saw a clip of him walking off the field. Is Bryce Young hurt? Do you know? I'm honestly not sure on that either. Yeah, um, we'll we'll have to check. We'll have to check on that. I think. Uh, I don't know. I saw. I, I'll look. I'm sure some Bama fans, if it, you know, know better than us. But I, th- I think I saw Bryce. Something happened to Bryce Young yesterday. We'll look into that. Right. Um, and I could be uneducated as to Georgia's depth or or Bama's depth. Um, you know, of what they returned from their success last year. But it uh, it looks that there's definitely some weakness. And if anything, there's at least some optimism uh, for the the Michigan fan base that it might be a little bit more wide open this year. If uh, there's going to be these SEC dogs that are struggling with the likes of uh, Kent state. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think so. And then you, you saw Alabama go to Texas and, and really they should have lost that game. Texas was on their backup quarterback and Bama only won by a point. Um, this doesn't, and even Clemson this year too, right? Like we look at these juggernauts of years past, um, even Kentucky, Kentucky lost to Ole Miss. Kentucky lost. Yep. That's right. So, so now you get to these, this like other tier of teams when you, you've got like Oklahoma state, uh, Ole Miss, who you mentioned is undefeated, but you know, those are all teams that are going to stay ranked lower than Michigan as long as Michigan continues to win. So yeah, you know, as, as far as the national picture goes we're we're in a, you know the best shape we've really ever been in we just we control our own destiny we just we just have to win and then and then when we travel to columbus we've got to take care of business um there's w- one team i do want to point point out um that's just interesting to me it's just kind of kind of a kind of a funny interesting story is is kansas right it, like, oh, i knew you were gonna say kansas yeah i was gonna i totally agree like is Kansas good? Like, are they? Is can can this be real? I've I've got a really good friend of I mine. I was about to say Kansas to the top ten tomorrow. Well, let's go. Yeah, why <laughs> why not? Actually, I I think I've got them twelve in my in my power rankings. Um, I've got a good buddy that's a Kansas fan, and every year he comes in talking shit about how good they are, and I'm like I'm like Patrick, man, like you know it's Kansas, like calm down, and and you know they're five and zero, oh, and they've beaten. Houston, West Virginia, who'd they beat yesterday? Iowa State. So, you know, those are – I believe that Iowa – or uh, I believe that Kansas is a 10 team in the – a number 10 probably yeah, in the country. I mean, They're the, a, a well-coached team, um, and they've, they've done well. So they deserve at least some kind of notable ranking – the right. Well, and you know the, the AP poll just looks at brands for the most part. I mean, Michigan's Michigan is one of those big brands, so I don't really get too upset most of the time. But you see, when like a team like Kansas is trying to rise in the rankings, if if you put like OU or Texas on their resume, they would they would already be in the top fifteen. And so Kansas Kansas is really one of those teams. It's it's kind of like a Cinderella story in March Madness, right? Like we we you just kind of root for them because they're never really any good. And so we'll we'll see if the Kansas uh, winning streak continues. Yes, we will certainly see. And then, you know, I, I made a note to just bring up uh, a really cool tradition that we got to witness on Saturday. And I always forget that they do this. And in the game yesterday, uh, the Michigan game versus Iowa, when they stopped and, and everybody in the stadium, the announcers, the Michigan sideline, the, the Iowa sideline, they all stopped and they waved 
to the children's hospital that that you can see from the stadium and in the in the windows of the children's hospital you see like signs of like young children that are saying like this is my last day of chemo and you know like these little kids that are beating cancer and like i couldn't even crying like a baby yeah yeah exactly (laughs) exactly i couldn't i was trying to like say something to my wife and i had to like pause because i was choked up it was just what oh yeah i was like back there eating uh tostadas in the kitchen you know (laughs) dipping them in my queso when like they showed it on the tv and then just fighting tears like like away from my family like don't don't look at me like I'm not choked up or anything. And I, you know, I just want to give a salute to the the Iowa program, the Iowa team, and the Iowa fan base because that that is just a really cool tradition, and it's an honor uh, to to witness and to have you know my team, my favorite team, take part in that. So that you know that was a really cool cool moment. Yes, absolutely, just a beautiful moment, and uh, prayers to all those kids and families having to uh, to obviously spend their time there yeah i can't imagine i can't imagine well all right man uh looking ahead we've got indiana next week i watched you know i kind of stayed stayed tuned into the indiana game uh against nebraska yesterday uh i don't know did you watch that at all I stayed in tune to it i mean obviously after things had settled down from the iowa game i had to take a brief uh, brief mental refresher and then check the schedule to to see who we played next week it was indiana so uh, from then on I, I believe indiana was deadlocked with uh, nebraska a game which they ended up losing so um, i again just th- uh, this schedule from this year is just a great schedule for michigan i'm not denying that all of the people hating on michigan strength of schedule Hate on. We've got the easiest schedule ever. <laughs> I'm not arguing it. Yeah, um, well, it I don't want to. I don't want to hear an SEC fan t- tell me anything about strength of no, schedule when when they're playing Austin not. P. You know, the last week of October. Everybody's got easy schedules. You know, and normally Michigan has a pretty tough schedule. So, like, I really don't want to hear it. We've got a pretty uh, fairly favorable schedule to our development this year. We're going to get a little breather with Indiana. Not going to sleep on them, yada, yada, but uh, I think we're going to see another comfortable multiple touchdown lead. Yeah, and, uh, you know, Indiana is one of those teams that we should beat, uh, but they're they're not a pushover by, necessarily, right? Like, you know, they've got a pretty good squad. They've, they've won some games, and so, I, you know, I just don't want to make the – assumption that we're just going to go into their place and destroy them. And so I'm hoping that the team is prepared and ready. You know, Mike Hart's going to have the running backs ready because that's, that's where he came from, right? That he, he was the running backs coach at Indiana prior to coming back to Michigan. So I know that oh, he certainly just a side note. How about uh CJ Stokes, not seeing the field after fumbling in that, uh in that game yeah they showed him at the end of the broadcast and you know you could tell he was he was trying to like stay up like because the team was winning everybody was good but you you saw Corum and edwards kind of you know covered in dirt and sweat and is smiling and so you know stokes was in his his clean uniform just sitting there but you know keep your head up young freshman that's that's what happens absolutely he's gonna be great mike hart certainly does not fumble the football he does not like fumbling the football uh so he's 
going to crack down on it, and CJ will rebound and be an excellent running back because of it. Absolutely. Well, you know what? I think that does it for this week. Um, thank you so much, everybody that's listening. Don't forget to hit subscribe if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, we're along for the ride. We're going to do this every week uh, indefinitely. So, you know, as as for for me, uh, Michael Smeltzer, you can follow me on Twitter at Wolverine Cron um, and then WolverineChronicle.com. And uh, Matt, you want to share your handles and, and website? Yeah, of course, you can follow me on Twitter at Maze Crusader. Uh, we also publish uh, weekly blog posts and follow Michigan football. Episode one, Big House Bleachers podcast. Thanks for tuning in. As always, go blue. Go blue.